Hello, you're listening to episode 14 of 8 Minute Movies, Knives 8, a podcast talking about the 2019 movie Knives Out in 8 Minute Chunks, presented by me, Kieran, and him, Peter. This is a sequential podcast that contains spoilers for Knives Out, so you should go and watch it first before listening and start this podcast season with episode one. And even that being the case, you can't introduce me as Peter. <laughs> um, won't have this. <laughs> Look, it's episode 14. I'm trying to mix it up a bit. No, oh, sorry that you're so bored of my name. That you have to make up a new one. Um, all right, all right. I apologize. I'll, I'll, I'll do that bit again. And him, Peter. I'm not going to edit the podcast. This is just how it starts now. Mm. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I, I apologize. Uh, how are you doing, Yetier? Uh, I'm doing okay. I'm still in the process of uh, uh, moving. Would you like to hear about my sinister next door neighbor? Um, <laughs> uh, yes and no. I don't think you can name them. No, I'm not going to name them. Uh, let's make up a name for all of the players in this. Um, so n- name name a man who is a neighbor brabastian brabastian yeah okay fine brabastian uh, and name a woman who is a neighbor georgina georgina and name a uh, a, a a young teenage a, a teenage girl name a teenage girl Reginald. Reginald. Okay, sorry, I might not sorry, remember. I, sorry, I panicked. <laughs> I, w- I wasn't expecting to have to do a Mad Lib this early into the show. Uh, uh, all right. Okay. So, um, we we've been up to the new place uh, a few times now, and the last time I was up there, uh, I saw. Bastian come home on on his motorbike um and actually skipping back a few months we spoke to uh georgina okay yes. we spoke we spoke to georgina the other and, neighbor. uh uh and uh said hello she seemed very friendly we had a brief conversation and she said oh um uh my my husband's Bastian uh and you know, I'm Georgina, um, and we didn't see uh, him at the time, though. Uh, but she seemed quite friendly, uh, and I haven't seen her since that time. Right. Uh, so, a couple of times ago that I went up there, I ran into uh, Brabastian in the doorway and because uh, it's kind of it, it's a set of flats and i'm in one and and, and he's in another um and uh he said oh uh, he seemed a bit sullen uh mm-hmm. and uh a, a, a little bit um uh yeah a little bit downbeat and it's like oh are you uh are you moving in um i said uh oh uh, yes i am i'm i'm peter and he said oh I, i'm I'm Bastian, um, and I, I remembered the the name from when I'd met Georgina before. It's a memorable name. Mm. So I said, "Oh, I think I met Georgina before." And then he had this kind of far away look in his eyes for a second, <laughs> and he said something like, "Ah, ah yes, Georgina." <laughs> and then he kind of wandered upstairs and, and went into his flat. <laughs> and <laughs> right and and remember that now I I haven't seen Georgina since the first time. Um and then later uh, we were there again and um we ran into uh, what was the other name? Uh, Reginald. Re- Reginald. <laughs> we ran into Reginald. She was on the phone, uh, just going into the house. Um, 
she was the sort of age where we couldn't tell whether she was someone's daughter or not, but um, or, or whether she lived there. She seemed pretty young, mm. but it, it was unclear how young. Um, and uh, when we went to kind of, because she was on her way into the house, and when we went to follow, she was like, she was confused, obviously, because she'd never seen us before. She's like, "Oh, who are you? Oh, you're the uh, you're the new neighbor." You're the new neighbours, are you? You're just moving in next door. Oh, I'm just, uh, I, I, I'm just right next to you. Hi, nice to meet you. you seem very friendly. Um, and uh, she was sort of starting to ask us questions as we were on our way upstairs to the mm. uh, to the flat. But then, kind of, kind of mid question, um, Brabastian opens the door <laughs> and and kind of hurries her in before um he uh, before we can finish or she can finish uh asking her question or we can answer it and just kind of ushers her in and kind of closes it without saying a word to us um so my working theory is that he's killed georgina yep uh makes sense right yeah you know no that, that's what i'd go to immediately we haven't seen georgina and he's being kind of weirdly furtive about it and doesn't really want any communication with the new neighbors and mm. seems a little bit paranoid. Um, <laughs> um, I, I, I'm, I'm going to say it definitely happened that way. Um, I, I have an alternate theory I'd like to offer at this juncture. Okay. Um, I think that perhaps um, Bastian has access to the Fountain of Youth and has mm. simply used the water to uh, to de-age Georgina uh, into Reginald. Oh, that's an interesting idea because mm. um, they because uh, uh, Georgina never mentioned Reginald. Yeah, see, that's mm. that's 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 why I thought this was definitely what happened. Mm. Okay, yeah, that that's possible, mm. and it does it does explain all of the moments all of the kind of odd little moments you have access to the uh, to the garden right yes so uh the first thing i would do the next time you're there is uh check for shallow graves yeah good point mm. there is a very large mound but too large to be like a grave unless um well that, that's just where he's burying all of the bodies right yeah, yeah. Okay. that makes sense yeah yeah um I forgot to mention a little detail of this is that before I, when I first met him before he, he whispered, I killed her and I'll kill you too. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, I was just looking out the window towards the garden and noticed that he'd uh, come back and he was putting away his, his motorbike. And so I, uh, he, I, he was just looking around and he happened to notice me in the window. So I gave a little nod and he kind of, Barely acknowledged. <laughs> he, he looked upset, in fact, that I'd done that. <laughs> and, and, so, uh, uh, if I have any other more interactions with Breginald, which I, I assume I will at some point because we're going to be living right next to each other, mm. and any of those seem suspicious in any way, I'll, I'll keep you updated on that. I'll keep you and the listeners updated on, on what's going on. I think um, I, th I think you might need to watch the documentary movie Rear Window. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's um, very close to what's going on at the moment. Who knows? Eventually, this could morph into a uh, true crime podcast. I hope it does. That's where the money is. Yeah, that's true. I have been watching that second series. Of yeah. Oh boy. Uh, I, I I stopped watching for some reason. I'm mm. I'm like four episodes into season two, mm. and uh, oh, it's such a good show. Um, yeah, like the ideal sort of cozy murder show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it's real good. I'm uh, hoping to uh, find out how it all wraps up, and there's no reason why I wouldn't be able to do that because it's a television show. Well, I mean, like, you might be murdered by your next-door neighbour. I might be, yeah. Let's see what happens. <laughs> if there's a longer-than-usual delay between episodes next time... <laughs> <laughs> you, 
Yeah, oh, great. Now I might, I might have to put out an announcement if there's a hiatus that's like, don't worry, he's not dead, he's just moving. I'm just, that's probably the more <laughs> likely explanation as to why there'd be a gap, just to be absolutely clear about this whole thing. <laughs> listeners, listeners, if he dies, I'll tweet about it. Yeah, um, if you could uh, manage being a little bit sad as well, that'd be lovely. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> if if I have to, I will. I will. <laughs> okay. Um, so, so that's uh, enough of that, I would say. Mm. Uh, how have you been? Uh, I have been not too bad. I um, I went. I went for a walk outside today in the <laughs> sun. <laughs> I, I invited you to come along, but you didn't want to. He didn't want to, listeners, because it was thirty-five degrees outside. Yeah, um, it seems like it seems sensible to me. <laughs> I, was like, I was walking next to a river where there's cold breeze, but I'd have to get there. I'm, I don't live that near you. <laughs> oh dear. Um, yeah, that was quite nice. Sat outside uh, under a tree, you know, like people did in the olden days before the invention of um, PSPs. Yes. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that up-to-date reference. <laughs> Look, like, I, I was looking at my Nintendo Switch, but I couldn't remember what it was called. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I do not, I definitely do not have heat stroke. <laughs> All right. And, okay. Uh, a little before that, I went into a cinema and I watched a film called Nope. Mm, now, this is by the Get Out person. Is that my right in saying that? Uh, yeah, it's uh, from director Jordan Peele, who is also famous for making uh, Get Out and Us, uh, two other pretty good horror movies. Mm, I haven't seen Us, but I've seen Get Out, and I like Get Out a lot, um, mm. so I, I'm kind of keen on seeing this one. I've seen a trailer. It looks very weird. The trailer really doesn't explain very much about yeah. what's what's happening in it, and I, I don't know that I want to know very much about it. It yeah. seems like the sort of thing where the less you know going in, probably the better. Would, yeah, is that, that it, accurate? I, I would say yes. Uh, there are two trailers now. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a trailer from six months ago, which I assume is the one you've seen. Um, tell me, tell me what you remember from the trailer. Uh, oh, I I can't remember very much about it because even as I was watching it, as I, I was thinking, I don't want to watch this too closely because it seems intriguing. I know I want to see it, and it it feels like something that would be fun to go into fresh even as someone who isn't particularly I, I don't particularly care about spoilers that much usually mm. but it just it just felt like that sort of thing where I'd, I'd want to not know very much kind of like everything everywhere all at once I, I, I enjoyed the idea of going into that one without knowing too much I just remember a whole load of odd imagery mm. I, I, I don't remember a whole lot else about it and something I can't. There was a line in it which was something like it not being about what you think it is about, but I can't remember exactly what the line was. Mm. Uh, so that first trailer um, mm. is, uh, uh, yeah, it, it doesn't really give much away, which is good. But they they released a more up to date trailer recently, which is more in the style of modern film trailers, in that it it it. it it reveals more of what is happening in the movie. Mm. Uh, so I, well, I, which I didn't see before I went to see it, but I, I would guess you shouldn't watch that if you don't want to know. Yeah. I, I'm honestly not sure um, which one I saw because I did see it quite recently, this trailer. Mm. Um, but I do remember that after watching it, I didn't feel like I had a good idea about what the film was about. Did you... Oh, God, it's so hard to be oblique about. Um, this, this, is an excellent, this is an excellent thing to talk about in a podcast. Uh, no a, a, brand, a brand new movie that you, don't, you haven't seen and don't want to know anything about. I don't about. want to know about it, yeah. I don't I, want you to talk to me about this at all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, oh, God. Uh, 
No, Do it's you... fine. You can talk vaguely about it. I just don't want to. I don't want to have any kind of real su- nice surprises. About yeah, it. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't spoil anything in yeah. the film. Um, it's got Keith David in it. I didn't know it had Keith David in it. Okay, um, that was a nice little surprise um, for me because I like Keith David. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah. <laughs> what, what, what else can I talk about? <laughs> uh, this this is an awful. Se- this is an awful section, Peter. <laughs> yes, uh, I mean, so far we've d- dis- described <laughs> an almost certainly fictional crime happening in my neighbourhood, <laughs> yeah. and failed to describe a film that you've seen. Well, I could describe it quite well. You don't want to listen. <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> um, well, are we about done then? Do we move uh, on? <laughs> it's very impressive. The special okay. effects are very good. Um, there are sequences that I wasn't expecting that I thought were good to look at with my eyes. Um there are some jump scares. Is it, would you say it's generally in the a similar genre to the previous his previous work? Uh, what do you mean? Like, is it a horror film? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes, it is a horror film in okay. pretty much in a similar genre to Get Out, I guess. Okay, but less mind controlly. Yeah. Okay. Nobody nobody says the Caligula. Right. Mm. Do you want to know the connection between Nope and Knives Out? Or um, can you figure out the connection between Nope and Knives Out? That's more fun. It's more fun if it's a game. Can I figure it out? Yeah. Uh, but by what means? Uh you've seen the trailer. That's cl- that's good enough. I mean, I've Vaguely glanced at the trailer while trying not to absorb very much of it. Yeah, we're so bad at this. Why? <laughs> I can see why no one sponsors us. <laughs> at least I bothered to concoct a murder in my mind. I was. I want to talk to you about this film. It's not my fault you haven't seen it. Well, I mean, in many ways, it is your fault because I would have seen it with you if you hadn't chose to go to it on a day where it was. 35 degrees outside. <laughs> Cinema has air conditioning. <laughs> Again, I have to get there. <laughs> uh, come on, stop, stop fussing. I don't know, how do you figure that out? It's got the same... Um, it, it, it's, it's got the... Same second unit director. <laughs> I don't know. Oh shit! Hang on. And now, I, now I have to actually go and check if that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, the main character of Nope is uh played by Daniel Kaluuya, uh, who is also the main character in Get Out, where he stars alongside Lucky Stanfield. Who plays Detective Elliot, Lieutenant mm. Elliot, in mm. this movie? Yeah, there we go. That's the connection. That's the connection. Yeah. But what about and... those second unit directors? All right, hang on. No, all right, hang on. I'm, I'm on IMDb. Uh, all right, hang on. Nope. Nope. Do you notice they made IMDb like harder to use? Like, I reckon that's on purpose. Yeah, it's not yeah. as good anymore. You can't it's find not, the credits it's not, as It's easy. not as good. You can't find anything. Uh, all cast and crew. There we go. All right, all right. Assistant director. Second unit assistant director. Uh, Nadim Ashia. All mm-hmm. right. Oh, no, wait a minute. Are they the... No, they're the second second assistant director. I don't know what that is. Um, Elaine Wood, second assistant director. All right, all right. Is is Elaine Wood responsible for Knives Out? No. <laughs> God, well, can can you imagine if she had been? We we. <laughs> yeah. 
It would have been great. We let me do... let me let me sum up let me sum up the podcast so far for our listeners. What we've had uh, one certainly fictional crime, uh, a discussion about a film in the most oblique terms humanly possible, uh, and like maybe a person worked on two films, except they didn't. They didn't. No. Please, they... please continue to listen. They're not all as bad as this episode. No, some of them are worse. I <laughs> some would say. of them, yeah. some of them are worse. <laughs> yes. Uh, God, although offhand, I can't think of any. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. Shall we? Shall we move on from from that section that's supposed to be the real attraction of the podcast? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is it? I don't know. <laughs> Very unclear. Certainly the loosest <laughs> part. Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang on. I got a bell. All right. Where's so, my version of the bell? So if 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 we say the words thing or out, this mm-hmm. bell will ring. He could have rung it a whole number of times while I was talking about get out, but he didn't. He could ring it he could have rung it then, but he didn't, because he doesn't know where his bell is. Listeners, if there's one thing you take away from this podcast, it's that it's important to know where your bell is. At all times. Yeah. At it, all times. It's a shame I can't find my bell because uh, you basically have, um, you have free reign <laughs> at this point. Well, there's no, nothing I can do. No, no. Of course, you you can simply say, uh, "Please ring your bell." <laughs> I refuse to lower myself to that level. <laughs> Very well. Um, okay. Shall, shall we n- not talk about the thing? Okay. That's this section of the podcast. What What wouldn't you like to hear about today? I don't know how this evolved into me asking you a question and you guessing what topic I'm going to be talking about. I know, I don't <laughs> like it because it, it means I have to remember names and things, which I'm not prepared for ever. Um <laughs> But you can think about it. You, you surely remember the other thirteen people and/or things I've sp- spoken about. Yeah, well, uh, I'm going with that. <laughs> I want to know about whatever the name is of that guy that plays the Nazi child. Uh, do you mean you want to hear about Christopher Plummer playing Harlan Thromby? Because that's what you're getting. Uh, let's do that instead then. Yeah. Uh. Arthur Christopher Orme Plummer, CC. I, I don't know what CC is, and also Orme is a a name. Uh, born CC is like a a measurement of some kind, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I was like either either he's um, you know in cubic centimeters, mm. or, or he's a carbon copy. Mm. Um, <laughs> I I didn't look that up. <laughs> This this episode isn't going great. Yeah. Do we do we get do over? Do we have one do over per season? <laughs> uh, there's no time. Okay. He was born in December the thirteenth, nineteen twenty nine, and unfortunately died in February the first, twenty twenty one. So fairly recently. That's quite sad. Uh, he was a Canadian actor. His career spanned seven decades, gaining recognition for his performance in film, stage, and television. He made his Broadway debut in 1954 and continued to act in leading roles on stage playing Cyrano de Bergerac in Cyrano, 1974, Iago in Othello, as well as playing the titular roles in Hamlet at Elsinore, Macbeth, King Lear, and Barrymore. Plummer was born in Toronto, Ontario, and grew up in Senneville, Quebec. After appearing on stage, he made his film debut in Stage Struck, 1958, landing his first starring role that same year in Wind Across the Everglades, and won widespread acclaim for his performance as Captain George Von Trapp in the musical film The Sound of Music, 1965, alongside Julie Andrews. You, um, have you seen The Sound of Music, Peter? I have seen and heard The Sound of Music. I've, I've somehow managed to avoid The Sound of Music. It's fine, you know. It's, I... it's got some catchy tunes in it. All, all I know about it is um, uh, where I've seen it referred to in other me- media. So um, I, I know that the hills are alive with the sound of music, with songs they have sung for a thousand years from Moulin Rouge. Yes. Um, 
and also I'm led to believe there's a Nazi child singing a song. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, the, it's been a long time since I've seen it. The future belongs to me. <laughs> so some of the uh, some of the Nazi details didn't come across too strongly when I was watching this film as a uh, as as a young child, I think. But yeah, that that yeah. seems to track. Uh, uh, it's got you know, it's got that famous song about uh, um, doe a deer, a, a female deer. You know. Oh god, I was th- I was thinking of the other famous song with like um, schnitzel with noodles. Oh yeah, these are a few of my favorite. It's got a lot of famous songs. Yeah, yeah, that's the, yeah. I know what, the, the the upshot is I know a lot of songs for it, but I've never seen it. Yeah, it's it's got extremely extremely famous songs, mm-hmm. uh, and so. It's probably quite a good musical, but it's been very, very long time since I've seen it, and uh, I uh, can sort of picture Christopher Plummer's character in it, mm. but uh, obviously there's a big gap, a big time gap. Oh, yeah. It Look, looks very different. <laughs> if you hadn't told me they were the same person, I would have never have guessed it. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, it's weird that some actors kind of look the same their whole career and some evolve as time goes by. Um, I, I watched a movie, like like a, a an old like war film, and uh, I kept like recognizing somebody, and it was Peter Capaldi. And oh, he, right. like, he, he's always basically looked the same. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, like from, I, th- I think I think at twenty one he kind of settled into looking a bit like an old man and has <laughs> has just slow very slowly turned that dial up over time. <laughs> I mean, I, I I can see the resemblance between young plumber and old plumber, but it's it's such an age gap that you, you know sometimes people look a bit like each other. I wouldn't have thought of it any, anything of it. Um, yeah, it's quite a thing to have such a long career i think <laughs> i dinged you because you said quite a thing so you shit you. you can't <laughs> no i was i was referring to your crime that's allowed <laughs> that's that's in the scrolls um oh maybe i was just feeling a little bit cheeky though <laughs> i like that you said young plumber and old plumber because that's like um what you have to get to exorcise a toilet. <laughs> mm. Back to Christopher Plummer then. Uh, he played numerous historical f- figures, including Commodus in The Fall of the Roman Empire, 1964, Arthur Wellesley, the first Duke of Wellington in Waterloo, 1970, Rudyard Kipling in The Man Who Would Be King, 1975, Mike Wallace in The Insider, 1999, Leo Tolstoy in The Last Station, 2009, Kaiser Wilhelm II in The Exception, hmm. and J. Paul Getty in All the Money in the World. His film credits also include Malcolm X, A Beautiful Mind, The New World, Inside Man, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, The Last Full Measure, and of course, Knives Out. Why we're talking about him, because he's in the movie that this season yes. of the podcast is about. I understand. Plummer received various awards for his work, including Academy Award, two Primetime Emmy Awards, two Tony Awards, a Golden Globe Award, a Screen Actors Guild Award, and a British Academy Film Award. He is one of the few performers to have received the Triple Crown of Acting. Wow. And the only Canadian to accomplish this feat. Uh, In 2011, he won the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor at the age of 82 for Beginners, 2010, becoming the oldest person to win an acting award from the Academy. And he also received an Oscar nomination at the age of 88 for All the Money in the World, making the oldest person to be nominated in any acting category in the Academy Awards. Hmm. He he's a real he's just a really really good actor like that's uh, the upshot of this. He's he's very good. Um or is the, this just saying like if your career is long enough you're bound to hoover up something. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's very good. And yeah. He was very good in 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 Knives Out and mm. I, I think I've seen him in a couple of other things as well, and he's been good in those as well. All, all the bits in Knives Out with him in are very entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've a, 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 got a little Knives Out fact for you here. Uh, the Man Who Would Be King from 1975 is one of Ryan Johnson's favourite films, 
Uh, mm. So frequently between takes, he would try to get Christopher Plummer to talk about working with the legendary John Houston. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that must be fun if you're an actor having me on the director side of and be like, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, they're, they're they're still setting up the special effects. Uh, do you want to <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk about the man who would be king again? <laughs> Uh, and um, and now it's time to review your questions from the previous episode, I believe. I assume that you asked me a full set of questions and I gave you answers to those questions. Um, long-time listeners of the podcast might have noticed a minor error in, <laughs> in the previous episode, where I, in fact, um, did not ask Peter one of these questions. So, so we did it between the episode and now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and if he hadn't called it out, none of you would have noticed, would you? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, if you were seeing this for the first time, who do you think the murderer is and how done they do it? And uh, you said, uh, starting with the Tox report, Blank says it's a suicide. So you're back to not having a theory. You don't think the manner of death presented at the start was correct. Yes. Mm. Uh, feeling good about that? Uh, I'm feeling okay about that, yeah. yeah. And, and what happens next? A question that I definitely asked you. Uh, he said he starts to explain what's happening in the case, and he starts talking about donuts and holes. Yes. Um. Uh, and yes, I definitely asked you that question last time. Um, oh, actually, like that episode of the podcast hasn't gone out yet, so I can go back and comp that in and just make you seem like a fool. Um, but you're not going to, are you? Um, uh, no, I'm not, but I could. Like, mm -hmm. if, if it wasn't so much work, <laughs> maybe I would. However, it is, it is too much work. Get on with it. <laughs> all right i guess with with that excellent podcasting it's time for us to watch minutes one hour and 44 to one hour and 52 of knives out blank corrects himself he doesn't want the whole family kept out and he mutters something in wagner's ear oh i said wagner like he's german <laughs> Wagner's ear. In Wagner, yeah, the composer uh, yeah. who's just in the corner. <laughs> yeah, he he was in the room too. Um, yeah. I guess we're leaving that in. Um, <laughs> we don't hear what he is saying to Trooper Wagner, but it's probably something along the lines of uh, "bring in, bring him ransom, bring in ransom." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Marta tells Elliot and Blank that it's just like she told Ransom, that she killed Harlan. Blank agrees, but says this is the hole at the centre of the donut. What she and Harlan did seems to fill it, but they must look closer. And, um, <laughs> and then goes on this riff, obviously, about uh, donuts and holes and donut holes and uh, holes within holes and <laughs> yeah uh, my note here says this speech is deranged and i love it <laughs> i uh, my note says this film hasn't been out for very long but to me this already feels iconic kind of classic <laughs> <laughs> oh i hope there's something similar in the new movie of course there will be but mm. uh, uh i'm i'm going to i'm going to read the speech go on uh, uh should i do a southern accent no. Oh no, God, no. no! You could do your. Uh, you you have one in you. We know this. It's not. It's, um, <laughs> I do declare. It, um, it, it, it's not accurate, but you could use that if you no, wanted. No, I, I I don't want I don't want the first set of emails we receive for this season to be complaints. Um, <laughs> he says uh, a donut hole in the donuts hole, but we must look closer, and when we do. We see that the donut hole has a hole in its center. It is not a donut hole at all, but a smaller donut with its own hole 
and our donut is not whole at all. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This little speech almost got cut from the movie uh, because Ryan Johnson thought it was just too silly. Uh, but Daniel Craig convinced him to keep it in by playing it with the conviction of a crazy preacher. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, it was the right decision. <laughs> this is why directors, I think, just sometimes need people around them just to mm. tell them that something is right or something is wrong. Yeah, and and he does. He, in fairness, he does seem very open to yeah. like changing stuff and listening to the cast. And um, I think there's going to be something about that coming up later in this episode. And if there isn't, remind me at the end and I'll say the thing. Mm, yeah, um, it's not the first time that you've mentioned him just taking feedback. Yeah. Uh, a, yeah. a moment, yeah. Elliot is exasperated, but Blank asks him just one question. Wow, was that hard? <laughs> <laughs> not, not in that accent. <laughs> Uh, at this point, Ryan Johnson comments that Lakeith Stanfield is the grounding character in the movie because he keeps all the silly and excessive things tied back down to the real world. Right. As obviously, he he is not standing for um for, for the 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 bullshit that's going on with the donut hole in the donuts hole speech. Right. <laughs> I think he says something like, "Look, Plunk, I know this is fun for you." <laughs> And he does, I, I made a note later, actually, that it does seem like he's having fun at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Someone was looking for a crime to get the will cancelled, but Blank was hired before the will was read, so that person must have known both the contents of the will and that a crime had been committed, and if the intent was to reverse Marta's inheritance, that she was responsible. Hmm. Hmm. Someone with a, with a lot of knowledge there. Yeah. Blank struts around the room as he makes these points. He takes two identical bottles from Marta's medical bag, applies tape over their labels, and puts them on the table. That probably won't come up later or anything. (laughs) I actually think this is a really interesting detail because Mm. um, it kind of says to you that... Because that doesn't come back for a little while. There's several more points that he goes through before he Mm. gets to that. So it shows you that he's... In the process of putting this together all at once, and uh, even as he's talking about this part, he, another part of his mind is mm. thinking, at some point, I'm going to have to establish this part of the story that I'm going to tell, and is, is setting up that bit, even though that, that's not going to be for a little bit. I didn't think about that, but yeah, mm. that is that is a very good point that he is uh, he's basically gone. Oh yes, uh, also I need to do I will need to do this shortly. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's almost like he is coming up with uh, the solution in a similar way that they described earlier. Uh, Thromby writing his stories, where the whole kind of uh, thing comes to him at once. Mm. Marta cries out, Fran. She knew what I did and was blackmailing me. Fran wanted money, so she didn't want the crime exposed. Mm, Yeah, that's a good point. Hmm. If it was a family member, they'd have had no reason not to just speak out, because obviously they would have known that Marta had killed him. Blank takes off his jacket and settles down into the knife throne, head in his hands. (laughs) In the script, the knife throne was described as like a religious icon made of knives. Um, (laughs) And uh, they were having trouble coming up with something until the uh, the prop people found an industrial barbecue grate and strapped <laughs> knives to it. It's pretty good. Uh, I've I've got a little quote about it here. The ring of knives is set in front of the chair in the Thromby's living room, all set in front of the chair and positioned so that the knives appear to be pointing right at the head of whoever is sitting in the chair. <laughs> When originally asked if the Iron Throne from Game of Thrones was an inspiration, David Crank explained, it wasn't, but I can see why people might make that connection, he said. (laughs) It actually wasn't originally meant to be that way. It was originally a rectangular structure and the knives were pointed out. Eventually, after various versions, we got down to the final version you see in the film. Ryan wasn't exactly sure what he wanted with the knives, but he knew what he didn't want. And once we got to that ring of blades pointing in, it finally clicked. <laughs> Do you think you own enough knives to recreate that? <laughs> Can we go one episode without without you calling me out for the fact that I own one or two knives? 
<laughs> How many knives are in your bed right now? In in it, none. Probably, in your, hopefully, in, not. in your bed. <laughs> because well, the reason how, I asked that, how many sleep knives. <laughs> the reason I asked that question is because quite often we'll be in a call or something, <laughs> and you'll just be like, "Oh, there's a knife in my bed." And, <laughs> that's that's usually because I've been doing something involving knives. Why? <laughs> then I don't just leave them there for you know fun. A lot of people would reserve their knifely activities for elsewhere. <laughs> yeah, that's true, but I am quite lazy. <laughs> <laughs> the um, Moving on, the production crew called this the Knife Donut. I see why. Mm. Did you notice that this is the first shot in the movie where the knives and the camera are all lined up so that they actually point at someone's head? Uh, I don't know that I did notice that, no. No, that's that's fun. In all of the other shots, especially at the start, uh, we always see them from the left or the right, so that the the knives are behind them, but not lined up with their head. Hmm. Mm. That was on purpose. But why? Uh, Ryan Johnson really wanted to keep the knife donut after production wrapped, uh, but he couldn't because half the knives were rentals, so they had to be returned. <laughs> <laughs> Blank explains that there was one truly guilty party behind it all who acted with malice and for personal gain. He calls for Trooper Wagner to come in, briefly confusing Marta, <laughs> and he returns with ransom. This is such a silly gag, because he yeah. says, he says there is one person who acted with malice and personal gain, and then he says, Trooper Wagner, and Marta's like, what? And he's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Although that honestly wouldn't be out of the question for an Agatha Christie style movie. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it works. I like it. <laughs> quite, quite often is the detective who came to investigate. Ransom apologizes to Marta and says that he told them everything because he thought that the jig was up. Blank asks Ransom why he hired him. Yeah, he really does seem to be enjoying himself by this point. He's got little, he's got some little smiles on. At yeah, this point. He's, he's he's really ramping up. He's he's solved it all. He know he know he's got the solution in his head. He yeah. just needs to play it out for his audience. Mm -hmm. uh, Ryan Johnson here comments that it this sort of scene, the denouement, is ideal for the language of cinema because you can do what he's about to do here, which is flashback to see different scenes from different perspectives. Yeah. Um, he said he was a little bit nervous at the length of this uh, ending scene in Knives Out, so he went back to rewatch its spiritual predecessors like Murder on the Orient Express and Death on the Nile, mm. and says that they're like 20 to 30 minute long scenes, so he was fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, Blank says that Harlan and Ransom loved drama, and thus Harlan must have told Ransom everything. We see it in flashback here. Harlan and Ransom fighting, and Harlan says, not a red dime or word of his work to a single one of them, you included. Yes, and uh, alluding to that phrase that earlier Walt mentioned that ha Harlan was fond of saying. Yeah, not a, not a single red dime. Yeah. Back in the present, Blanc says, why would Harlan tell Ransom that Marta could beat him at Go? Why would the topic of the will bring up Marta? Ooh, that's that's really clever. Yeah. Again, we see it in flashback. Harlan telling Ransom that the will is changed, and him saying, "I'm warning you." Ransom dismisses all of this as conjecture. Blank agrees, but it makes everything else make sense. Oh yeah, here here we go. Here's another example of uh, Ryan Johnson like following the cast's lead. Um, Daniel Craig had memorized the last 30 odd pages of the script as if it was a stage play. Oh, okay. And so, um, Ryan Johnson just threw out the shot plan here and just kept going for longer and longer takes of him speaking. Mm. <laughs> and it, it really works. I, I love it. I, the ending of this movie is fantastic. Yeah, it's really well done. Blank says Ransom left, feeling the sense of clarity he confessed to Marta because now he knows he's got to do a murder. 
in flashback, we see Ransom pull off the road thinking before he returns to the house. Um, it's good that he, he returns to the house and he stops, uh, you know, before the carved elephant, not after <laughs> or be after for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's uh, also a pretty, pretty cunning plan to come up with on the spot there. Yeah, um, not. A, <laughs> it doesn't take him long to figure out how to pop back and do a murder. Right. Maybe he's uh, he's got some of his grandfather's skill in that area. Yeah. Uh, if only he'd put his effort into story writing rather than crimes. Well, his uh, father d- does say that he sees a lot of him in in him. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and. You know, I think I mentioned when, when when we first talked about that scene that I wasn't exactly sure what he meant by that, but maybe mm. this is a bit of what he meant by that is, yeah. is that he's got that that kind of mind. Mark. Mm. Narrated by Blanc, we see Ransom going through the gate, climbing the trellis, and going through the trick window. Uh, did you notice that Ransom puts his foot on the window ledge here, depositing the mud that Marta thought that she put there? Yes, I did. Yeah, that, that's clever. I like that. I think you did because I mentioned it already. <laughs> yes, that is why. <laughs> I mean, that sounds so proud. Um, he sneaks into Harlan's bedroom and grabs Marta's medical bag. Using a syringe, he swaps the morphine and ketorolac around and he steals the naloxone, the life-saving antidote. Mm, I wonder how he knew about the antidote. Um, I, I mean, it, it's. I don't think it's like. Uh, I think it's fairly common knowledge uh, that naloxone is an opioid antagonist, um, and that it's usually around if you have like you know morphine or you know it's more fun cousins like heroin. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, I suppose if he if he knew that that was the medication that it, that mm. he was on, then he m- might have understood about the antidote as well. Yeah, yeah, sure. And and also, um, he was Harlan's research assistant for a summer. That's uh, true. So I, I can imagine that. that maybe that comes up. Mm-hmm. Blanc says that he knew that if Marta killed Harlan, even accidentally, then the Slayer rule would nullify the will, and he'd get his money. Ransom, of course, knows what the Slayer rule is because he was Harlan's research assistant for a summer. Yeah. Marta gasps, figuring it out. Blanc asks her to pass him the bottle of morphine from the table, and he'll explain. She picks up the two identical bottles, quickly trying one and then the other, and then passes him one. Hmm. This uh, this was done as a little insert shot later um, to give a little bit more weight to the solution that they're trying to sell, where she right. picks up the wrong medicine, hesitates, puts it down, and then passes the correct one to him. Right. I mean, honestly, if I'd have been in her situation, I probably would have taken the tape off the labels and then he'd like... <laughs> <laughs> Well, this I, is the thing. I'm about, not smart. <laughs> this uh, th- this is the thing about this whole little detail to the to the solution. I guess we'll get into it in a second. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Marta realizes that if the t- bottles have been swapped, then she must have accidentally switched them back and given Harlan the correct medicines. Blank reveals that she didn't do it accidentally, taking the tape off the labels revealing that she'd passed blank the morphine. Mm. Mar- Marta is such a good nurse that she wouldn't mix up the two accidentally, even without looking at the labels, because no. the liquids are slightly different. Okay, so th- I th- there's a couple of things here. Mm. One is, do we... I, I don't know. I haven't seen the two liquids next to each other or seen them jiggled or, or whatever. <laughs> Uh, you would need to do in order to see the difference between them, but uh, apparently, apparently, it's a very subtle difference. Mm. Do we think it's plausible that someone with that level of experience would be able to tell the difference or not? I mean, I'd I'd say yeah, probably. I mean, because you'd, <laughs> I mean. If you're handling something day in, day out, you probably subconsciously pick up on this stuff, even if you don't, you know. 
I mean, maybe one is more dense, so the bottle is slightly heavy, you know, stuff like that. Right, yeah. yeah. I, I, I agree that that much is plausible. Mm. Um, I the, the bit I wonder about, though, is I feel like, personally at least, even if I was really, really good at telling the difference between these two liquids... I think I would check the label every time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think she sort of kind of is looking for that, but they're taped over. I mean, yeah. um, and her instinct I- isn't to remove the tape like mine would be. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, I'd. Ironically, uh, dooming myself. I feel like I'd be so worried about making a silly mistake like she assumes that she, she makes at the beginning of the film that I would always just habitually check the label anyway just to make sure well you've got to remember she had been drinking that's true <laughs> so I, I feel like ironically it, her recklessness in <laughs> not checking the labels was what saved her in the end <laughs> but I do think that was still pretty reckless <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, we w- well we won't quibble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Blanc reveals that Harlan was, of course, perfectly fine, and if he'd followed her advice to call an ambulance, he'd still be alive today. And the blood tox report proves it. Marta sits in the knife throne, shocked. Everyone in the room sits in shocked silence, but Blanc isn't done yet. Oh, he's got so much more mm. in him. He says, Great Nana said, Ransom, are you back again already? Because earlier she'd seen Ransom climbing down the trellis. And uh, here he stresses back again already. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we think we mentioned this earlier that um, she all, the whole case hinges on what she saw. Indeed. And he's the only person who sort of treated her like a human being throughout the whole movie. In his chair, Ransom laughs because they have no evidence and it's just a fairy tale. And And uh, that's the end of that segment. And I feel like it's a good place to split as well because mm. we're getting now into the next part of the oh, explanation. Yeah, yeah the, the denouement is really heating up. This is the bit where Poirot would pull his gun um, if you <laughs> watch the more recent movies. <laughs> he never used to have a gun. Yeah. Uh, uh, Ransom here says, uh, this is stupid with two O's. Um, <laughs> and that's another line that they went back and forth on quite a lot, trying to decide <laughs> whether it was too silly. <laughs> but it made I the quite cut. like it. <laughs> yes. It feels like something that he would say. Yeah, he's very arrogant. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that brings us to the end of that eight-minute segment of the movie that we are watching, which is called Knives Out. I don't know why I'm talking like this, Peter. You need to help me. Uh, slap, slap. <laughs> <laughs> so... um. I think some of these questions may become defunct from here on. Peter, if, you, if you'd seen this for the first time, um, who do you think the murderer is? Um... <laughs> so, I... <laughs> do you think it's Ransom? Well, <laughs> I think Ransom is the attempted murderer, but um, uh, but Thromby killed himself. Oh yes, that's actually true. <laughs> but you, uh, you definitely don't think there's any late-minute twists coming in. No, I don't think we're going to find out that somehow they were re-switched or or yeah. something. <laughs> you don't think Marta's Marta's going to turn to the camera and then do the killer voice? <laughs> yes, I killed the bastard, and I'd do it again. <laughs> yes, I saw Ransom do all of that actually, and I swapped them back. Yes. <laughs> Very different movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what what happens next, Peter? What happens next? That's the question that I'm asking you, and in <sighs> fact, did ask you in the prior episode. Don't fucking at me. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is going to be more a denouement, isn't there? 
there's, there's going to be more of this explanation. Uh, we're going to get to the crux of the point being that Fran is in the hospital, which is something that I don't think Ransom knows at this point. And that is going to uh, lead to a little bit of deception by Marta. I don't know whether we'll get to that in this episode. I think we might just about get to it at the end of it. Mm, yes, I I think I think we might. I think we might get to it. But yeah, that was very good. So so now we've got oh two episodes left. Uh, what are you thinking of the film so far? Given that you've watched the bulk of it, well, you know, as I as we said very early on, it's a it's a new it, it, it's it's one of my new favorites. It's very annoying to me in a way that we've taken so long to record this podcast overall because I, uh, as as people know, I don't watch the film while we're recording <laughs> these podcasts, and I've wanted to because I, I, I like it so much. <laughs> Oh dear! Sorry, I I, I didn't realise we were uh, denying you an important resource. <laughs> yeah, by now I probably would have watched it again because it is just incredibly enjoyable. I mm, uh, it's a very good movie. L- looking forward to being able to watch it normally again at some oh, point. Perhaps we'll watch it as a treat when the series is over. <laughs> Maybe so. And uh, I am very, very much looking forward to the follow up. Oh, oh yes, that's. Um... That, that that presents us with a conundrum. Do we do we immediately do a season on on an absolutely brand new film? Where where are we? We're just throwing the rule book away. I don't <laughs> think we can get the projectionist to pause every eight minutes so that we can record a <laughs> podcast. Oh, I don't know. I recently discovered that you can hire a cinema uh, and just they just give you like a HDMI input and you can put on whatever you want. So, so maybe we could. <laughs> That'd be really weird. Oh, okay, listeners, we, if you think if you think we should do a live recording of this with you in the audience, no, no, <laughs> we can't have a double standard here. Uh-huh. We tell we tell everyone else not to experience the film for the first time like this, and now we're talking about doing that with glass <laughs> onion. No. <laughs> yes, you're quite right. Sorry, I'll slap my wrist. Hmm. There we go. <laughs> Uh, listeners, if you have any comments or questions or comments or questions, uh, you can email us at podcast at eightminutemovies.co.uk and I will uh, print out your email and just sort of rub it against my face. Maybe I'll read it, but the, the rubbing is more important to me as a person. Uh, if you like the show, uh, what you should do is, uh, is tell a friend. If you don't have any friends, uh, maybe join a night class and, uh, and make some there, and then you can talk to them about the podcast. Uh, or what you can do is uh, is leave a comment wherever you listen to it, um, uh, on whatever format that you listen to it in. I don't know why I'm specifying that at the end. It's not like somebody's burning these onto mini-disc and <laughs> taking them away that way. Um, Peter, help me, I'm breaking now. I don't know. I feel like you're trying to keep me in the room so that the uh, to keep me on the call so that like, the police can trace the call or something. <laughs> like this, this is the sort of energy you're projecting at the moment. <laughs> He's in London. Keep keep him talking. Oh dear. Um. Well. Well, the police are on their way to um to, to Robastian's location as we speak. So, um, if you'd like to come and look at us on Twitter, I'm I'm Kieran J Walsh, and Peter is uh, that's Kestrel Pie. That's Kestrel like the bird, and Pie like the irrational number. If uh, any of your neighbours might be murderers, get in touch. <laughs> yeah, we could do a true crime podcast about it, and then um, and then we definitely get sponsorship um, because that's that's the most important thing to us here. We uh, we'd like money. <laughs> uh okay good good evening to you listeners uh good evening good night farewell goodbye bye 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 bye